how does a guy sitting there designing a new transmission or whatever decide, you know, maybe we should try powder metal. How does he arrive at that question or that decision and how then does that come back to you? What's his mindset? In the case of North American uh, OEMs in particular, and, and they tend more towards the use of powder metal because it's cost effective. Not always, but generally it's one of the lower cost solutions for putting a metal part in an engine or a transmission. And you get the ability to create complex components with relatively minimal waste and that near-net capability is a, is a factor. How do we get in there? In some cases it's conversion, so you talk to the customer and they may have something that's currently made as a casting or currently made from rock machined and they want to convert to powder metal or they've thought about it because it's less expensive and you gain a lot of uh, a lot of the capabilities that powder offers you which is different alloys and the capability of that alloy. And uh, Guiding people toward the right material can be the case, but in many cases the customer has, they have metallurgists on staff who know generally what powder they might want to use or want the characteristics for. In some cases they open up uh, MPIF standard 35 or in Europe a DIN spec, DIN spec and they look at the, the materials and they look at what that material can do. So in the case of a very standard material in powder metal, which is FCO 208, FCO208 means uh, ferrous material with copper. The FC is ferrous with copper. The O2 is the percentage of copper, 2%. And the O8 is the percentage of carbon. That's where the definition comes from. The designation tells you what the material is made of or what the basic material is made of. And then we can adjust within. Uh, and, you know, for example, that 2%. 2% copper with 0.8% carbon is a standard material that's used in PM everywhere. It's a strong material, it's, a it's relatively inexpensive, and it performs well in most applications. But on the other hand, you can also make uh, center-hardenable materials that will give you the characteristics of heat-treated product uh, with a single pass rather than having to send outside for heat treat and all the affiliated uh, cleanliness and damage that, that, that can occur. Now, is that something an engineer is going to know, or is that something they're going to suggest? They could give you a specification for hardness. They need a part that's made out of steel, and it's this hard. And they'll look at it. They may look at a standard, and often you'll get a print that'll say, "We want a whatever uh, rot material, specific rot material. Give it. Give us a standard. We'll take a look at that standard for that rot material." And then we'll say, okay, what's the, what's the comparative powder metal composition? And then we find something that meets the requirements because there'll be elongation requirements and stress, you know, capability of the uh, impact resistance or wear resistance or uh, ductility. And we can look at the specifications and do those comparisons. And that's where it's best is if you can get something that's not powder right now and convert it successfully because that's really the, the gem in powder metal. The, the goal in powder metal is to take something that's currently made out of a material that's, that's forged or, uh, or cast or some other form of, uh, of metalworking and then machine to death and then we take it and we can make it with less effort. Engineers in today's world certainly uh, also consider cost. I mean that's part of the of the yeah. job is to keep that within the price. Uh, you know if you're building a new transmission they'll have a cost target 
and uh, powder metal often gives you configurations and, and cost, and they'll know that uh, where it's possible. And in some cases, they don't know, and we can educate them on that. In most cases, they have a feel for it, and in many, many cases nowadays, uh, people really do know, I, I think I need to use powder metal here, but we need to talk to somebody and figure out what we should use, if they don't use somebody internally. Okay. Or they may, they may consult different suppliers, and Sintras might not be their first choice. We may be their fifth choice, but they may get to us because the first four, first four failed, didn't want it, didn't fit their profile, too expensive, you know, not reliable sourcing problems, not in our list. A lot of it is who's in your supplier list. And in our case, uh, you know, we're fortunate to be on some supplier lists that give us the ability to quote business that other people never see.